0: Great to be here today. You know, today is Pentecost Sunday, and I think that we have already experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Uh, what a beautiful uh, place, and uh, just uh, just sense the presence of God here, uh, I am so honored to be here. I actually, uh, back several months ago, uh, Pastor Lee and myself, I was a missionary in Ireland for about eight years, and he would come over and speak, but we always missed each other. So we were Facebook friends, and I would come on and watch the church, uh, just on, you know, Facebook, the worship and preaching, and I was like, man, what an incredible church. I don't know if you realize how, well, we already heard today, a lot of you take it for granted, but, uh, how awesome a church you have to attend. This is a beautiful church family and, um, so I was watching one of the services, and I just called Pastor Lee, and I was like, hey, we miss missed each other in Ireland all these years. Will you come and preach at our church? And he came, and uh, God has just forged a really great uh, friendship that's there, and uh, that was, the church was in Jacksonville. I since then have, uh, have uh, uh, turned that church over to one of our staff members, and uh, I am now presently living in Colorado Springs. Can I just tell you, coming back to the South and visiting... It is hot down here. I have, I've been getting so spoiled with it like now, sometimes it gets a little too cold. A few weeks ago we had 15 inches of snow. Two days later it's 85 degrees. I, I thought it was kind of, you know, crazy in the south how the temperatures would change but uh, Colorado has this. So uh, so I have been there, uh, minister uh, with the ministry that David Wilkerson, if you're familiar with him, uh, Crossman Switchblade, he started World Challenge. And I am so honored to be a part of that ministry. I work with Gary Wilkerson, his son. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you log on to their uh, website and uh, listen, but Gary Wilkerson has got just a ministry to this generation. And you will be blessed if you just go on and uh, listen to some of the podcasts and the ministry that's there. And uh, tonight I'll talk a little bit more about missions and what we do there. Uh, Can I just real quickly just give you a little bit of my testimony? Uh, I am married uh, to a lady, uh, Krista. She's not able to come. She's back in Colorado uh, Springs, but uh, she has a degree in nuclear medicine, which means that she is smarter than I am, uh, far smarter than I am. And uh, she's just an incredible lady. I have two kids. uh, But between myself and Krista, our parents have 13 marriages, uh, was raised in a lot of dysfunction. At a young age, uh, got into a lot of drugs and alcohol, and um, I actually mix drugs and alcohol. You know, whenever I'm sitting in my office in Colorado Springs and I'm looking at the mountains and the great view and, you know, i know, led a church, and sometimes the enemy will come and try to put a little pride into your heart. And then, you know, God reminds me, you mix drugs and alcohol. So I have no room for pride ever for the rest of my life, right? And uh, I know the rock that I came out of. I always, re- always uh, love uh, in Matthew chapter 10, when Matthew goes through and he describes all of the, the apostles and he comes to himself. He, write, he writes this 30 years after uh, he had come uh, and walked out of the tax collector's booth uh, some 30 years later. And he refers to himself as Matthew the tax collector. He never forgot where he came from. And uh, so anyways, uh, at a young age, I was bouncing bars, um, I was playing college football, wound up in the Tampa City Jail, and that was the place that I came to know Christ. It was the worst day of my life, and it was the best day of my life, because that's the place that I met Jesus, amen? And um, actually, while I was playing uh, football, was always my dream. I had just finished, it was a small uh, school called East Tennessee State, and uh, we had just come through the spring practice and I was doing really good, had won a starting job, and the Lord called me into ministry and just told me to leave uh, what was my dream forever and do ministry. Don't, the only problem was I didn't have any ministry to do, and uh, so I just started going to the streets, and I would go to trailer parks, and uh had lived in a trailer for a little while, and I would just go knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. Uh, I actually, you know, I have not told this story. It's been over 35 years ago, and I have never told this story And I really felt like that the Lord uh, wanted me to share this with you today. But I had gone to a a trailer, knocked on the door, and I had this opening line. It was like maybe the worst opening line ever for witnessing to somebody. And I would say, uh, I am a new creature in Christ. Would you like to be a new creature too? And they would look at me and go, I'm fine with the creature I am. Uh, And... uh, so, uh, you know, after I sharpened the tool a little bit there, um, I had gone to this one home, and they invited me inside, and I'm, I'm talking to them, and the, the wife is, you know, she's making dinner. The husband is sitting in the, you know, he's sitting in his chair with the remote control watching TV. little girl's doing her, her homework, and I walked in, and it was the most ungodly stench I have ever, that has ever passed through my nostrils. And I am, I've got this look on my face, and the little girl notices that like and she goes, she says to me, she goes, "Oh, we had a rat die behind the wall," and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" <laughs> and uh, I told him about Jesus and got out as quick as I could. But here's the, here's the thing I want to share. There's somebody needs to hear this today. Those people were sitting with that incredible stench, and they acted like it was normal. She was cooking. He's watching TV. She's doing homework, and it was like they didn't even notice it anymore. And you may be here today, and you're living with some stench in your life. Can I just tell you today? Stop living. You don't have to live in that stench anymore. Jesus wants you to be free, and he'll do it if you just come to him. Amen? So I literally have not told that story in 35 years, so somebody really needed to hear that. I don't know if you got a mouse died in your house or something, but anyways, uh, today uh, I'm just so honored to be with you. Uh, We came to get into the Word of God. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, we've already prayed over the message. Uh, here's what I want to say to you. One thing that I love about Gary Wilkerson, he said this at the last conference that we were preaching at. And he said, he said, this is the one thing that God has called me to do, is to put my finger in the book. And he says, whenever I want to start doing something else, I want to go back and I want to put my finger in the book. And today I want to tell you, we're going we're, we're to go through the book. If you, you take notes, today would be a good time to take notes. But we are just going to kind of go through the scripture. I'm going to maybe share uh, some things with you that the Lord has revealed over the years. Actually, in in these passages, even over the last few days, just God is just revealing new things in my heart. And uh, I want you to see this. The title of the message today is The Strength and the Kindness of Jesus, Revelation chapter 5. We're going to go through this verse by verse. And he says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, written uh, inside and on the back, and sealed with seven seals. It's important to understand what this scroll is. Here in heaven, uh, there is this scroll. And, and, you know, one of the great mysteries, if you read, you know, from different people and they try to detect or to figure out what that scroll is, here's what I believe the scroll is, and I believe it's very scriptural. I believe that this this scroll in the hand of God uh, here in heaven is the culmination or the restoration of all things. You see, Jesus was the creator of the heavens and earth. But now the scripture says in Romans that all creation groans, waiting to be adopted. And not only was he the one that created the heavens and the earth, but he is the one who will restore all things. And so this scroll, and if you go through Revelation, you will see... You will see uh, the the seals being broken. One of them is the four horsemen. It's four different seals that will be broken, and this entire book is about a revelation of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about a revelation of Jesus. I believe that we the church needs a fresh revelation revelation of Jesus. Can somebody shout Amen? And so John is in this place and here this uh, this, this scroll comes it's, It has uh, perfectly sealed. It can't be unbound. And he says, then I saw, uh, I don't know if there's weak angels, but he sees a strong angel. He notes it as a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. So he was probably one of the greater, more strong angels. You know, I find it interesting, like Mary, when the angel comes in front of her, the angel says, don't be afraid. If an angel shows up in your house tonight, anybody going to be, like, oh, don't be afraid. It's just an angel. But this is a powerful angel. This is an angel of angels, if you would. This great, powerful angel with this big, loud voice is proclaiming a message. And here's what he's saying. He says, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals? And no one in the heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so John says, I wept much. Now, I want to just... Uh, Say this to you, uh, John wrote the fourth gospel. If you read the fourth gospel, every one of the writers of the four gospels had a different point of view in how they saw Jesus. John had this incredible revelation of Jesus, and he saw Jesus as deity. He saw him as the Son of God. So that's why there, there's no uh, you know going through a list of all of the people that begat where John one one starts is in the beginning was the word Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God because he saw Jesus as deity. And yet when they're looking for one who is worthy, can anybody just here today go, why did John not know that he's in heaven where he saw Jesus ascend to? Don't you think that, at least it crossed my mind, wouldn't you think that he would go, oh, Jesus is worthy. But here's the problem. He saw Jesus uh, and understood that he was born as a baby. He saw Jesus as the man. He saw Jesus die on the cross and he saw Jesus resurrected. But He did not have the fullness of the revelation that Jesus was the resurrected God seated at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power because he starts to weep. Now I want to tell you, if you go through the story, I believe that the, the angel knew that Jesus was the one that was worthy. You'll see that the elder knew that Jesus was worthy. How did John not know this? And here is what I want to say to you that Jesus had, or, or John had uh, some great revelation of who Jesus was, but he didn't have the fullness of the revelation. And can I tell you this today? There's a lot of people in the church today, in the world that we live in, that they have a, an idea of Jesus, but they don't have a full revelation. And you may be here today, and I want to tell you, God has a revelation of who Jesus is, not just as a baby, not even just as a crucified or resurrected Lord, But he is seated at the at the right hand of the Father, full of power and glory. Can somebody shout amen? So if you don't have a full revelation of Jesus, and you pull up to the gas pump, and you get mad at Joe Biden, or you get mad at Donald Trump, or you get mad at the politicians, or you look at the wars and the rumors of wars, and you get scared, it's because you really don't have a full revelation that Jesus is in control of it all. Can I just give you a little, maybe just something for, I know it's expensive, I was just in California, nearly, uh, it was over six dollars a gallon for gas, and how many know that's frustrating, but man, you know what I do now, I roll up to the gas pump and I go, Jesus is coming soon, you know what, praise God. Everybody else is scared, but I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is coming soon. When you look at all the problems and the situations in the world and everything that's going on, I have a word for you today. Jesus is coming soon. He has the power. He has all authority. And so John is here and he's weeping because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders came to me and he said, don't weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed, which means that he died and resurrected. And now uh, he, he, he is able to open and to loose the seven seals. And he has this incredible image that's given to him of the strength of Jesus. Praise God, Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? So if you don't fully get that, if you just imagine today, if I said, you know, it's an illustration uh, for Jesus being the Lion of the tribe of Judah... I have brought five lions, and we are going to bring them through the back doors now. And they're hungry, and they're big. You talk about, you've never seen a bunch of church people move so much as when we bring those lions. And why? Because the lion denotes power and ferociousness and tenacity. And I want to tell you today, Jesus, you know, when I was younger, I would watch movies and I hear stories about Jesus and anything that I saw that was an image of Jesus on TV up until the Passion of Christ. But I kind of predate that uh, Jesus always talked really slow, like, hi, I am the savior of the world. Come unto me. And I was like, he's a little slow, like, I don't know that that was the greatest image of who Jesus is. I have come to find out. That Jesus is not some, you know, slow, mild, meat. Can I tell you, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has power and authority that goes beyond any power in this world. And so even the elder and the angel, they knew that Jesus was the one worthy to, 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 break, the, to, to break the seals and to unveil what is the restoration of all things. And, but here, here's what the kicker was. They wanted that message to go throughout everybody Uh, that was in heaven and earth to say this, no one is worthy except for Jesus because he has unlimited power and authority. And church, I am here to tell you today, that is the God that we serve. I don't know what image you have of him, that he's weak and just sitting back watching the events of the day, but there is nothing that happens unless it passes through the hands of God Almighty, Jesus seated in his throne. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. But here's what's interesting if you if you look at it. He, he follows that by saying, and then I looked. So what is he expecting to see? He's expecting to see this powerful image of, he's weeping, and the elder says, hey, behold. So he turns to look, and what does he expect to see? He expects to see this powerful lion figure, but it says this, then behold, I looked. In the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. And the image that he saw was precisely the opposite of what he expected. He expected this powerful image, but when he turned, he, what he saw was the lamb looking as though it had been slain. And you have this incredible picture of the nature of God, particularly with Jesus who revealed the fullness of God, is He is both strong and mighty and powerful, and yet He carries that image of a lamb that's tender and kind and loving. And today, listen, Jesus is not 50% uh, you know, the lion and 50% the the, the the lamb. He is 100% the lion and He is 100% the lamb. And I believe today, if you come to this place, if you've walked to church today and you've gone, hey, I, I need a touch of God today. I want to tell you whatever it is and wherever you're at, if you're a child of God or if you're not a child of God, if you call out on Jesus, he will meet you in this place. And I believe that God is going to do good things. I'm I, Just my feeling today is that there are some people that need A a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. It's a broken world that we live in. And if you stop and you look around, man, it can be, it can be, at times you can go, God, are you even there? But I am here to tell you, there are troubled days ahead and there will be difficult times. But Jesus is Lord of all. Hallelujah. So praise God. Well, with that, I want you to turn with me if you would. We're going to go to a passage of scripture that's in the book of John. So he wrote this. Uh, Go back to John chapter 2 and verse 13. And this is a story, uh, if you've ever, I'm sure you have read the story, possibly uh, you have heard people preach on the story of the cleansing of the temple. And I want us to take a look, and we're going to dive in. Everybody okay? How many of you love God's word? I'm going to tell you what, when I got saved and I came out of that jail... The one thing I wanted to know is like, hey, I don't want to just spend my time showing up to church and not knowing who God is. You know, there's some people that are like, grandma went to church, mama went to church, my wife goes to church, so I'm not. now I'm going to go to church. Can I just tell you, shake that off of you, and it's important that you know the God of heaven, right? Somebody, I want to know who Jesus is, and we're going to find who he is. You're going to find it in God's word, and so here we're going to dive into this just a little bit, if you would. And it says in chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Here's the first part that you need to know, first aspect that you need to know about the cleansing of the temple, is that it was Passover. Passover was a celebration for Jewish people of them coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. And it's incredibly significant to this story. Now, if you were one of the children of Israel, And Passover, uh, you were in the original Passover, there were ten plagues that happened. Now here's my take on this. Um, Some people call it ten plagues. And if you're an Egyptian, it was ten plagues. But if if you were a Jew, it was ten miracles. Now understand this. The Jewish people had to go through the same plagues that the Egyptian people went through. When it went dark, it didn't just go dark for the Egyptians. It went dark for everybody. And can I just tell you this today, there will be moments that, that we will go through difficult times on this planet, recessions, uh, financial breakdown and discourse and high gas prices. Can somebody shout amen? And we live in the same world. And I can tell you with all of my heart, I believe that we are driving towards, I believe that this is the tremors that come before the birth pains, if you would, before the last days. And I, I in my I I'm not giving you a date. I'm not telling you when I think that will happen. The church, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up. Now, here's the difference. They both went through the same experience. One was believing and one one was unbelieving. Here's the difference between the two. The people that were unbelieving wound up at the bottom of the Dead Sea. The people who were believing wound up in the Promised Land. And here's what I want to tell you. When we walk through difficult days, your ultimate end is in glory. Your ultimate end is to be with Jesus, right? And here's where where I take comfort. is like the worst thing that can happen, if I go to one of these countries, uh, we'll we'll be talking about a little bit tonight, and I wind up uh, dying, the worst thing they can do is put a bullet in my head. But the last breath that I take on this planet will lead me to the next breath, that I will stand in the presence of God Almighty. Now, if you believe that, there is nothing they can do to you if you are a child of God. And I just want to tell you, sometimes the church is like, oh, what are we going to do? A Democrat or a Republican or, you know, whatever, you know, whoever's in charge. I want to tell you, ultimately, Jesus is in charge. And it's time for the church to wake up to the fact that he is over it all. So here, the, here you have this Passover uh, that is, that is uh, taking place. And here's the second thing that it says. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple. So here's the next thing that's incredibly important about this story is that it takes place in the temple. Now this is going to be really important. In the temple, there were three main areas of the temple. One was the Holy of Holies. Most of you know that was the place that the high priest would go once a year. Then there's the place that's called the inner court. The inner court, only Jewish people could come, mostly priests, and they would do their sacri- the sacrificial system would happen there. And then the third place in the temple is what is called the outer court. Where this story takes place is in the outer court. Now anytime that I looked through a Bible and I looked at pictures of Jesus cleansing the temple, it was in a room about this size, and there were some tables and then there's always like a crazy look on Jesus' face. They got really mad and he started driving everybody out. And it was in a room about this size. Here's the actual truth. It was larger than two football fields. Historians tell us there was somewhere between 75,000 to 100,000 people in the outer court area. Now, I want to just, how many of you have been to Death Valley for LSU? Can I just tell you? I hate that place. I'm a Gator fan, and I'm just telling you, if we ever have LSU, and it's at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night, I'm like, do we even have to show up? Can we just forfeit the game? Because you guys, man, that Death Valley is a tough one. But if you, if you start giving out to me, all I'm going to say is Tim Tebow, right? Because he is still our Gator. And one thing that we have in common, none of us like Alabama fans, right? So hallelujah just saying i like you but i don't like alabama so did i say that okay all right i guess i like you you re- how much do you like alabama uh, i will look, look, can i just show you something this was bought for me i actually have a florida gator right there on my notes so um, i didn't buy it somebody bought it for me so i love my gators but the next time you're at Death Valley, you're looking at that stadium, and you look around with a hundred and two thousand people, and you think about that many people in the outer court. So Jesus didn't just run off like fifty people, hundred seventy-five to a hundred thousand people with cattle and goats and whatever else was there, sheep, and he he when he cleansed the temple. So get a perspective. If you're here today and maybe you're a teenager and you go, oh, Jesus is weak. Jesus was the strongest man, I believe, who ever walked the face of the earth. No weak man could endure the cross and have the power. Listen, he had the power to step away, and he chose not to. That takes strength. Can I I tell a little story? So uh, one of the things I did, I worked my way through Bible college. I was a meat cutter. And I was going through Bible college and, uh, you know, pretty good at what I did. Well, we hired a a guy to be the cleanup guy. Now, at the time, I played football, and now I was going through Bible college, but I was still lifting weights. I was bench pressing about 450 pounds. I mean, you know, I kind of was a football player. And this guy was this little skinny guy, and he knew I was a Christian, and every day he would mock me. He would, I mean, he would say the most vile things, and, you know, I'm like... I can' crush you in a second. I had the power to put him in the freezer and lock the door, and he would never get out. And it crossed my mind a time or two. I'll just be honest with you. I was saved, but I wasn't that saved, right? still, still kind of letting Jesus do some things in my life. and so and so uh, so anyways, one day, and everybody everybody that worked, it was the largest public store in Florida. And we had about 40 people that worked in the meat department. And everybody knew he was doing this. And they're like, how do you not just respond? And I'm like, well, i just put it to Jesus. I'll just sing, you know, worship God or whatever. Well, one day, he started on my mom. And I'm from the south, and I'm sorry. But you can call me whatever you want to call me. You start talking about my mama? So, uh, so he started, your mama, I saw your mama, your mama. And I was like, I'm going like that. And you know what? I ain't Jesus, right? So I I grabbed him by his schmock, and I put him up against the the wall, and I said, take it back. And he's like, I'm not taking it back. I saw your And then I did it again, and his head hit the back of the thing, and people were like, the pastor just flipped out, right? And uh, so finally he took it back. And uh, I don't know why I'm saying that except for... Jesus had the power to come off the cross. He didn't have to go through it. He chose it and he walked through it. No weak man could ever do that. He's the strongest man that ever lived. So he goes on to say this. And then, the, the, I, 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 you know, for years I've read this passage and I never saw this. So he found in the temple those who sold ox and sheep and doves and money changers. They had made it. This whole system of sacrifice, and it was about money, and they had lost the purity of what God created it for. And then it says this: and when He had made a whip of cords. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute, because he, Jesus just didn't get mad and, and like like if one thing I've been in Baton Rouge about like two days, and the people who drive on your interstates. And cut, like, they have no conscience. They just cut you off, and you go, like, mm. But it wasn't that, it wasn't Jesus going, mm. It wasn't that. He got the leather, he got the wood, he got the pieces together, and he never did anything without the Father speaking to him. And so he gets the pieces together. I can imagine that he goes on the curb, and, you know, he kind of sits down there, and he starts to make a whip. Now, Jesus is a carpenter, and he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. I am telling you today, that was the best whip that has ever been made in the history of the world. Somebody shout amen. And I can imagine the disciples going by, hey, you're talking about, you know, God loves you yesterday. And now you're making a, what are you making a whip for? Then one of the money changers, hey, Jesus, what are you making that whip for? Just wait a few minutes, I will tell you. So here he is. You cannot look at this passage any other way than this is the lion. Of the tribe of Judah, and he he understands what God created the house for, and it had been turned into something wicked, and he was coming to take authority over his house, and he takes now th- here it gets crazier, okay, because th- it says then right it says he made he makes the the whip of cords, uh, and uh, and it says and then he drove them out of the temple. Now the word there in the Greek drove. It's like you would drive a herd of cattle. He drove them out. I want to just remind you, we are talking between 75,000 and 100,000 people that would be in the temple at Passover on a day like this. And and he drove, it doesn't say he and the 12 disciples or him and some of his men. He, Jesus by himself, drove 75,000 people out. Out of the temple. Now it never says that he hit anybody with the whip, but it doesn't say that he didn't hit anyone. <laughs> I'll let you wrestle. I'll let Pat, Pastor Lee can answer that question next week. <laughs> but I cannot imagine that he walks up and he goes, "Excuse me, uh, uh, you know y- the exchange rates that you're doing today. You've really jacked the prices up, and you're selling the goats for twice of what they're worth, or the sheep and." You know, whatever it may be, kind of like our gas prices today. And uh, I was just wondering, could you go to the foyer uh, because we need the temple today? How many do you think that he did that? He was like, This is my father's house. He turned the tables over and he's like, Get out. 75,000 people. I can only imagine if I were a disciple on that day and I am going, What got into him? Like, It would have to be one of the days that you would remember of Jesus driving 75,000 people in the outer court area. And here's what's significant about it. It wasn't in the Holy of Holies. It wasn't in the inner court. It was in the outer court. Because it was in the outer court that all of the nations would gather together. The Jews, even Gentiles, they called it the court of the Gentiles because he wanted all of the nations to see the glory of God. And can I tell you today that God still wants all of the nations to see His glory. When the children of Israel came to Rahab, do you know what she said? She said, we know that God is with you because He delivered you from the Egyptians. And I want to tell you, church, you got to get this in your heart. Jesus has delivered you from the powers of this world. You are an overcomer. Not you will be an overcomer one day if you just clean up your act a little bit. Listen, the day in that jail that I gave my life to Jesus... I was just as much an overcomer as I am today, right? And and I'm, you know, not because I'm a pastor or a missionary or I work at World Challenge, but because Jesus came into my life. And when he comes into your life, you are an overcomer. And here on this day, he drives them out. I'm going to go through and just uh, read a little bit. This is the sheep and the oxen. They poured them out the, the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold the doves, Take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remembered that it was written, A zeal for your house has eaten me up. In some translations it says has consumed me. And church, I want you to see this today. God cares about his church. God cares about what happens in these four walls. I find this in a lot of places that I go where people at our church in Jacksonville, so many people would come in and they would tell me about the church hurt and people that hurt them and things that were said and gossip that happened behind their back and One thing that I said to the church, and I, I can say this today because I know that this is what this house is a healthy this is a place of healing and restoration, and listen when the house gets right, and God knows when the house gets right now sometimes when you 're a pastor uh you know the, psalm 23 says this is that the the good shepherd has a rod and a staff and the staff you lead and what do you do with the rod you beat off the wolves right so can i just say this to you man a, he- a healthy house is when everybody loses their agenda a healthy house is when we don't do it for money when we do it for the good of mankind for the gospel going to the ends of the earth that's a healthy house when we really love each other, you know. When I started the church in Jacksonville, we had seven people in a trailer, and we we started out. And I said, I have this crazy dream. It's insane, but I've been I've been in ministry a lot of years in Pentecostal churches that were supposed to be the on fire people. And you know what? I was I said this is my crazy insane dream. Could we have a church that we actually like each other? Because I've been in church staffs. I've been I've been around people that don't actually like each other in church. We got to get this together, and I'm not saying you. you this is man, man, last night. I was with your leadership team, and I know that this is a healthy place. But man, we are not here to play games. This is the house. Let the zeal of God's house consume you. You know. You know. I find people sometimes, and they'll say, "Praise God! You can thank God for that." I've, I've, I have, as a pastor. I've had a lot of people that will come in and say, "You know, I love Jesus, but I just don't love church." And I said, "You know that." That's impossible. If, if I went, if I went to Pastor Lee, and I said, Pastor Lee, man, I like you, man. I like hanging out with you. Uh, I like your blue socks and those cool shoes you're wearing. And man, you're just awesome to hang out with. But Carla, geez, just I just don't like being around her. Man, she cooks all these desserts and then she wants me to eat them and look at me. No, I'm just joking. And you know, I, 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 hey, brother, Pastor Lee. I like you, but your wife, I just don't care much for her. At some point, Pastor Lee is gonna look at me and go, hey brother, if you love me, you love my bride. Because that's my bride. Right? And I want to tell you, you cannot love Jesus and not love the bride. Because the bride is what he loves more than anything else. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. And just so I apologize to Miss Carloop for using hers. has she has missed hospitality the last two nights she's been hospitality and and then i'm talking to her yesterday and she's like yeah i lead the women's ministry i'm like wow man you do a lot and then i look up and she's leading the choir what else do you do around here like your husband works you really hard like (laughs) talk about that so anyways but hey listen but the zeal of god's house and church can i just say this when you love Jesus, it just becomes so natural. Not the, not the bricks and the mortar, but engaging with people, loving people, connecting with people. That's what the body is here for. And I want to encourage you. Uh, it was already said before we even started. Don't take it for granted. You have something so beautiful and amazing. And you know, uh, let me while I'm throwing out a few things here, Pastor Felix, I've been talking to him. And, and, I, and I'm sensing this in your church family. Uh, Pastor Felix, like past, he's telling this to me yesterday. Pastor, we have to get outside the four walls. God is doing something amazing in this church, but man, we've got to tell people. Church, it, it is the time for the church to rise, not just to the foreign mission field, but to your neighborhood and to the people that don't know Christ. And I just want to encourage you with that. Like, hey, let the zeal of God's house consume you. Now, I will say this: if I end the, if I ended the message right here, you would be like. Well, thank you very much. Jesus threw everybody out. What I love is in in the scriptures you have uh, stories, and uh, it comes from four. Uh, this story is in all four gospels. I want you to go back with me to Matthew. Now, I do believe just if you know, if if you don't really study a lot, you can ignore this. For those of you that study, I do believe that Jesus cleansed the temple twice. He did it once at the beginning of his ministry, one at the end. But I believe that the same thing happened in both. Uh, situations here is the next rendition of the story as given by matthew if you would go to verse 12 it says then jesus went into the temple of god and here's the word i'm sorry chapter 21 of matthew and verse 12 see anytime i'm lifted up with pride i just you know people yelling out "What chapter was that like all, right. all right there we go chapter 21 and verse 12 when Jesus went into the temple of God, which is what we talked about, and drove out, there's that word again, all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the table of the money changers and the seats of those who sold the doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Everybody look at me right now. I expect to see everybody at 6 o'clock. There you go. prayer meeting, and that's what Christians so anyway, don't get mad at me. I'm gonna, I see the dirty looks. I'm not even looking up. and I know you just look. Okay, so it says, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you've made it into a den of thieves. You turned it into something that God never intended for it to be. And here's what happens. Jesus takes, you know, he makes the whip. So he forms this whip and he drives them all out. And when the whole place is empty, uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He goes and he lays down the whip. And then it says, then the broken, I'm sorry. It says, and then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. And I want you to see this today. Jesus, uh, Here, if there's ever a picture of the lion and then the lamb, it's this story. Because after 75 to 100,000 people, I'm talking Death Valley when it's packed, and he drives them out. You're talking about a man that was a man he had to be sweating he had to be like he's just giving his energy but when he cleaned the house out he lays the wit down and those hands became healing hands and church here's what i'm here's what i'm saying to you today that's what god has called us to, to be and you may be here today and i suspect that some of you have come in today and you need the power and the strength of jesus Because listen, the days that are ahead, the days that we're living in now, it doesn't to be days ahead, the days that we're living in now can be very difficult. Right now there is a barrage of attacks from the enemy against believers. If you say that you believe this book and that you truly believe what it says, you will not be popular today and it will only get worse between now and the days to come. Can somebody say amen to that? Weak people won't stand. People who fall away, and the Bible says there will be a great falling away, people who fall away will be people who do not have a revelation of the exalted Christ, not just the creator of all things, but the restorer of all things. Because listen, all that whole process of tribulation and restoration, the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But here's the good part. Those who are clinging to Christ, you cannot be shaken, and you will not be shaken, And you may be here today and maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel so vulnerable and you go, Pastor, i just got to be honest with you. At times I don't know that I'm really strong enough to be a Christian. Can I let you in on a little secret? Neither am I and neither is he. None of us are strong enough to do what God asks us to do. But we need Jesus. And we need an infilling of his power and his authority. And we need a revelation of who he is. To get inside of our hearts and our minds. That's the only thing that will keep us in the days ahead. And you know what? It's not going to be the flesh of man. It's not going to be the best ideas that we can come up with. It's not going to be a light show. It's not going to be fancy worship. It is going to be this. It is going to be a revelation of Jesus and his power and his authority. And when you know that, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. I am clinging to Jesus, right? And you may be here today and you go, Pastor, I need the lion of the tribe of Judah to get inside. You may be here today and you may be a big, tough guy. If I walked up to you, you would be six inches taller than me and big and strong. And you know what? When it comes to spiritual, you're a little mouse. Because I've seen that. Somebody shout amen. Hey, I'm not being mean. I'm just speaking truth. And you know what? Maybe you need to go, I need the power of God in my life. That I don't care what they think or what they say, I am standing in this generation to speak for God because I have the Lion of the tribe of Judah living inside of me, right? Come on now, you're talking. When I have when I talk to a young man in, from, from Africa whose father was put to death, he's a martyr. And the the young man tells me from uh Ross's school there at Summit, and this young man said to me, My father was martyred and now he's studying in Bible college to go back to the same place that his father was martyred to preach the gospel. I need a little bit. Somebody need a little bit of that. I need a little bit of that. Put that kind of a lion inside of me that God, no matter what happens in this generation, I'll stand. And there may be some of you that are here today and maybe failed. You're here today and you look great and great church service. But you know in your heart, that there's a whole lot that's broken inside of you. And you feel vulnerable today. And you're going, you know, all these people who love Jesus. And I feel like I'm so far from God. And you know, maybe what you need today is the Lamb of God to come and just wrap His arms around you. And, and heal you and tell you how much He loves you. I believe that there's a lot of broken people in this world. And I'm also very convinced that Jesus has the power. Because He is the lion. Strengthen the power of God, and He is that tender lamb that knows how to care and love us and show His grace and kindness when we don't know where to go. Can somebody say Amen? So I don't know if the worship team would come up. Can 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 everybody stand and don't go anywhere? I I don't know what the time is. I, I tried not to go too long. The LSU thing might have got me caught up. I show a little bit of anger. I want to invite anybody and everybody because I, I can't imagine anybody that this doesn't really apply to in some way. But maybe you're here today and you go, Jesus, I need a revelation of you. I, I've seen you as the baby and at Christmas I have that revelation. I've seen you as the Son of God crucified on the cross. And I've seen that. I've even seen you as a resurrected Savior and the one that ascends on high. But John... I mean, he wrote one of the Gospels and he probably was more intimately acquainted with Jesus than anybody that's ever lived. But he did not, he's standing in this throne room of heaven and when they say nobody's worthy, he's not going, well, of course, Jesus is worthy because he did not have the revelation that Jesus is the restorer of all things. And listen, he has authority and power. Does that mean that he makes my life easy all the time? It does not mean that at all. But what it means is that he is ultimately in control over every detail of my life and he cares and he loves me. When you get that revelation in your heart and it becomes alive, I'm going to tell you, you will never be shaken. No matter what happens in this world, how far things, you can pay $10 for a gallon of gas. And you're going to, you're just going to pull up to the gas pump and go, you know what? Jesus must be coming soon because this world has fallen apart. I do not trust in the economic systems of this world. I do not trust in the, in the, in the politics of this world. I put my trust in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I put my trust in Jesus. And man, when you start to live that and you start to have that revelation, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Everyone that rises up against you will fall. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And today, he wants to raise something so beautiful and mighty and powerful. Today, if you've come into this place, you're watching online, and you go, Today, I need the Lamb of God to comfort me. And maybe you're here today, is your spouse has passed away. And you go, Pastor, it's just hard. I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't even know if I can go on. I just miss them so much. I want to tell you the Lamb of God will wrap his arms around you and he will tell you it's all right and he will comfort you and he will get you to the other side. And maybe you're here today and you feel weak. Man, I I don't know if you can tell, but there is something burning in my heart today. I believe that